The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines antiques as objects, pieces of furniture, or works of art made at an earlier period and according to various customs or laws at least a hundred years ago. However, an antiquity is defined as relics or monuments of ancient times or matters relating to the life and culture of ancient times. In today's discussion with Dr. Rick Fessler, I think that this distinction comes through very clearly as we take a walk through his collection of various antiquities which he's built and expanded over the years, and you really see his passion for their connection to times past and for the connection to the lives of the people who made, used, and left behind these objects for us to find and cherish and learn from. As much of this episode is a walking tour of Dr. Fessler's collection throughout his home, please excuse some lower audio quality as we move around from room to room and piece to piece, but I think getting to walk with Dr. Fessler through his collection and hear him describe the story of each piece and how he acquired it, and really hear the joy in his voice more than makes up for a little poor audio quality. So with that, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today, as part of our ongoing series highlighting the hobbies of neurosurgeons, uh, we are delighted and honored to have again with us a friend of the show, one of my bosses, uh, Dr. Rick Fessler. Sir, welcome to the show again. Thanks, John Paul. So today, this is very interesting, very exciting for someone, um, I think for anyone, but certainly me with my background that's kind of artsy-fartsy as we were talking about before we started the recording. Um, you are a, a classic and, and uh, longtime collector of antiquities and various pieces of arts, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Great. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So I guess to, to start off with, why don't you tell us how you developed this hobby, how this became a passion of yours in life? I think it, my recollection is that my first antiquity that I collected was a gift to me from my wife. She was traveling, and I believe she picked it up in London and brought it home and gave it to me as a gift. And what it is, is it was a set of five um, antique surgical tools dated around the time of Christ. Wow. And uh, I have them in my cabinet here. I'll show you them later on. I think that was the first thing I collected. But it's, I've always been interested in history. Right. And I have a vivid enough imagination that... For example, when I'm traveling, and for, I was in Ephesus one time, which is pretty good in terms of the, what remains of the, the original, well, the third city of Ephesus, really. There were three. And I, I, can, I can imagine what it, what it looked like, and I can yeah. imagine myself living at that time. Um, and I, I can get lost in my thoughts in doing that. And that's, that's how I really be, it was my, my, my interest, my love for history, and my imagination of living in history that got me to start collecting. Right, and, and I know the last time you were on the show, we touched on this briefly, but 
in your long and storied career on, on the way to the surgeon you are today, you, you had a brief stint in divinity school. I did. So ha- how appropriate for your first gift, your first antiquity to be something from the time of Christ, surgical instruments, uh, clearly your wife knows you well. <laughs> she does. So, so with that first set of tools, that's, that's how you got the bug, so to speak? Yeah. How did it yeah. grow from there? Um, I then got a second uh, antique, and you can actually see it. Well, it, it's around the corner. Um, also a gift from my wife, but this she bought in the Winnetka Antique Show. And what it is, is it's a grandfather clock. Or they call it, they call it a, a mahogany long case, actually. And uh, it was built underneath the uh, London Bridge, and it actually says that. It says Smith under the bridge mm-hmm. uh, in 1795. Wow. And it's completely w- working perfectly. The only thing that's not original on it are the three little filials on top. Okay. They had to be replaced. They were lost somewhere along the line. But other than that, uh, it's completely functional, more than 220 years old now. Wow. So I imagine um, with a career like yours and even with your current position, you travel a lot for work at conferences, presentations, uh, various labs and companies. Uh, I, I assume that traveling not only around the United States but around the world for your work gives you great opportunities to dive into the history of the cities you visit and maybe come back with some prizes? Always, always. For ex- I've picked up a number of things in Rome, for example, and which is, Italy's a great place to do that. And I've picked up a lot of things from uh, a little town uh, a ways from Beirut called Biblos mm. in Lebanon, which is the oldest continuously occupied city on earth. It's now wow. been continuously occupied for 7,000 years. Wow. And they've got some re- I found some really cool stuff there. Right. So what is it about these objects that so fascinates you and enthralls you that you keep pursuing them? It's, it's the... Uh, it's imagining the, the people that owned them at the time mm. and what their, what their life was like. Um, I have some, uh, some bronze uh, spearheads from about somewhere between 1,000 and 600 BC. And you can imagine centurions, or and, well, these were these from Persia, actually, so it would have been Persians, soldiers mm-hmm. carrying them and fighting with them. And, Another, another interesting, I, this was a great find. Um, so writing was invented by the Sumerians about 5,000 years ago, 5,500 years ago. And prior to that, uh, they would communicate with, with signature roles. And they would have little figures on them, and you know, mm-hmm. a person or an animal, and, and then you'd actually roll out your, your signature, you know, uh, these little creatures. And so I was in a small shop in Biblos, you know, going through, looking for stuff, and I saw this little signature roll. And uh, so that, that's at least, um, at least 5,000 years old. Wow. And the guy didn't actually recognize what it was until he had already quoted me a price. And, <laughs> and then, he, then you could see him just, he was so sad. <laughs> sure. Wow. I, you know what's interesting about so many of these objects that you're mentioning is that they're not just um, artwork or things to be displayed and looked at, but many of these are tools and implements. Yeah. Um, we are tool-using people. You are someone who, as we know, has been an inventor, a designer of instruments or other implements to use in surgery. 
Um, have you ever held a tool in your hand or helped to design a system um, and looked not to the past as with your collection, but looked forward and thought, wow, in 5,000 years, will someone find this under, under some rubble and think about my hand and, and the team that put this together? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That's, yeah. And then they'll look at me and they'll say, what the devil was this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I think that it's, it's interesting to imagine your counterpart in the future looking back on our time and thinking about the different materials that we use and design things with, what will survive and what will they yeah. make of, of us today in our work. Um, but anyway, you know, obviously this is, a, this is an auditory medium, but I, I wish all of you listening could see the light in Dr. Fester's eyes as he talks about these objects. So. Why don't we uh, take a little tour through your collection and uh, visit some of these antiquities? Okay, let's do that. At this point, Dr. Fessler and I got up from the armchairs, and he led me on a short tour through his home, where he has various objects and antiquities on display throughout. Come with us as we move room to room, and Dr. Fessler shares the story of each piece's acquisition and its place and context in history. Those are not original. Those were just, you know, copies from the... Uh... The, the warriors in Xi'an. I was there a little while ago. But this is a, is a bell that I, I picked up in India. It's from the 17th century. Wow. This is one of three pieces. I have this piece, and I have this piece, and one more I'll show you in a second. These are from the Tang Dynasty. So Tang Dynasty was uh, about 618 to 907 A.D., and these are funeral pieces. Wow. That were, that were, that were, so, and you can see, you can even see, still see the color on it. At one time, I'm sure it was brilliantly painted. Sure. But you can still see where the color is on it. So for the listeners, we're looking at a small statue of a camel right now. Its head is held back proudly. Um, as we go through this collection, we'll have pictures of some of these pieces that we'll post along with the episode. And, I try to tie in a time mark for you so you know what you can look at as we go through the collection here. And here's the long case that I was telling you about. Wow. And so these three pieces on the top, you said those are replaced, but right. everything else about this is the original piece. Correct. And the, one, one of the neat things, this was, this was rehabbed about 100 years ago. Yeah. And so the guy who rehabbed it left us this message here. Oh, wow. He says, this fine specimen of early English uh, work was made by John Sharp and Sons, whose ancestors... Yeah, whose ancestors... Uh, commenced business, business on the yeah. 17th century. Uh, John Sharp was a master clockmaker and uh, built it in 1883, and it was rehabbed in 1970. And this is an aged and worn handwritten note taped on the inner casing of the clock, and you can hear it tick. That's great. You know, in this cabinet over here, I've got much of my, much of my stuff. So this is the other third piece of that set of the funeral. This was right. the original instrument set that my wife gave me as a oh. gift. And I, Beautiful, we got a, a Penfield One here. <laughs> And it didn't do much except maybe Lance Boyles, but uh, sure, <laughs> that's that's what surgeons had at that time. And this, so I, I picked up another one too. Uh, in in this, I got in Biblos. 
So among these other things, uh, this is a uh, Persian spearhead that I told you about. So somewhere between 1000 and 600 BC. And this comes from, this is a Roman spearhead from about the same period. Um, this is the signature roll that I told you about. Okay. And then that's what it is. If I roll it out, that's what you see. Oh, fascinating. Did you make that yourself? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And uh, this is a, a Roman belt buckle that my wife has turned into a necklace. Oh, lovely. As an Italian by descent, I, I love to see some ancient Roman works here. So these are, these are Byzantine coins. Um, they're, they date from about 300 to about 500 AD. Wow. Um, and this is just, this is a, an oil, a oil lamp. Okay. And here's a couple other cool things in here. Um, this is a reliquary from, a, from 900 to 1200 AD. And theoretically, this is the time of the Crusades, it went first through the Third Crusade. Theoretically, there is a sliver of the cross of Christ in there. Wow. Now, it's never been opened. We don't know, but, but that's, the, that's the theory. Get a CT scan. Yeah. <laughs> um, up here is an original page from the Federalist Papers. Wow. Really? And I've got an even cooler one. Here it is, first edition, 1788. Yep. Wow. Original leaf. Now, let me show you this. Come on up here. Okay. Dr. Fessler has these items spread throughout his house on display. We're heading upstairs now. I haven't framed this one yet. Because it's kind of big, and I'm not sure what to do with it. Okay, we get an advanced tour of the... Uh, collection items that aren't yet on display. So these are original pages from the first edition of the King James Bible, 1611. Wow. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah, you'll have to find a special place for these. Yeah. That I have, which is kind of fun. And we actually walk right into it. This painting here, the original of this painting is in the Louvre. Oh. And the original was painted, was painted in 1787. The woman who painted the original was the, um, the artist to Marie Antoinette. She's oh, wow. the one who painted all of the Marie Antoinette with family paintings and stuff like that. Her name is Le Brun. This is not that painting, because that's obviously in the Louvre. Right. This is her student copying oh. the master. So this was painted in the late 1700s as well. Okay. And it is a portrait of, of uh, a woman who was a dancer, and her name was uh, Maud, Maud Raymond. Maud Raymond. And she was a famous dancer in, in Paris. Well, she's lovely. As we can see. The only difference is that the original has different colors. Really? Yeah. Other than that, I mean, it's just identical. Oh. I wonder if the student sat um, 
at the same time and painted from the subject, or was it a copy from the painting? We think it was a copy on the, of the painting. Interesting. Okay. And then she played with the color scheme. And I've seen that if you go through museums, you'll see students sitting in front of right. painting, you know, copying the, the thing. At this point, we concluded the tour and sat down to talk again. All right, well, Dr. Fesser, now that we've been through the collection and, and I've had the privilege to see some of these pieces, which again, we'll, we'll share pictures for, for you folks listening. Um, I wonder, aside from the things that we've seen here, uh, some of those documents that you have yet to put on display, do you have any particular items that are on your radar or any, any dream items or, or period from which you'd like to acquire some antiquities? Well, yeah, sort of my, my dream would be to get a, a collection, a series of surgical instruments from mm. 2,000 years ago going all the way through time up until, up until modern times. I was, I was negotiating to buy a, sur a complete surgical set from the Civil War. Oh, wow. But I was outbid by somebody oh. else. I, I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, I, I could see it now. I, I can imagine the, the case you could set up and have the walk through history. Yeah. Um, how extensive is that kit from the Civil War? Is it, is it like a field kit or a... It, it was, it's a box about so big and it has saws for mm. doing amputations and lances for cutting, you know, lancing boils and uh, stitches, you know, needles for stitching and stuff like that. Sure. Do, do you, in your collection... Or in, in your process of collecting, do you focus on specific fields of items like medical instruments? Or is there anything aside from that that you like to collect? Um, I like to collect things that are relatively unique and novel. Okay. Um, but really, if, it, if it's just old, it's good enough. <laughs> right, it's all about the, the story with yeah. the object, right? Yeah. Um, for some of the, our folks who may have the itch of history, um, but who haven't yet delved into it as deeply as you or who, or who aren't as far down the road. Any tips or advice for how to find good items, how to recognize something when it's in front of you? Yes. Um, do your research first. And you, because most of this now can be researched online. Um, and if in fact you find something that you want and you, you buy it, uh, make sure that it has a certificate of authenticity, mm -hmm. uh, which, which most of these things do. Okay. Well, Dr. Fessler, thank you so much for your time and for, for letting us share with your collection here. We'll have to be back to talk about your artwork as well as your antiquities and maybe one of these days get into the stories of Divinity School. <laughs>